Welcome to the Radical Remission Project Stories That Heal podcast. My name is Kelly A. Turner, and I'm a PhD cancer researcher, New York Times bestselling author of Radical Remission and Radical Hope, and the founder of the Radical Remission Project. In this podcast, it is our honor to bring you inspiring healing stories directly from radical remission survivors themselves, as well as from the amazing doctors and healers they work with. Hello, and welcome to the Stories That Heal podcast. This is Carla, and today Liz and I are excited to welcome our radical remission survivor, Haley Dubin. At age 29, Haley was diagnosed with stage three ovarian cancer. The cancer had spread to her appendix and colon, so she underwent two surgeries and three rounds of intensive chemotherapy. After her treatment ended, Haley knew that she never wanted to go through cancer treatment again if she could help it. It was then that she knew she needed to take control over her own health. She began to immerse herself into researching foods, lifestyle habits, and mindsets that can heal the body and support her to avoid a recurrence. Haley has remained cancer-free for 25 years. Welcome, Haley. We're so excited to have you on the podcast today. Well, thank you so much, Carla and Liz. I, I'm really looking forward to talking to you. And what an incredible, incredible amount of time, 25 years. That's so amazing. And I'm sure our audience is going to be really thrilled to learn what you did and, and hear your story. So why don't you just start off by sharing a little bit about, you know, how your, your diagnosis and how your story kind of went from there? Well, great. I mean, you said a lot of it in the intro, but I was having pain on my right side. And I remember feeling like this is really hard to tie my shoe. I don't, I don't understand what's going on. And I went to the doctor, they thought it was gas. And I'm like, Hmm, I never had gas like that in my life. Uh, I do not think this is gas. They gave me gas pills. I didn't take them. And then it got a lot worse. And so I called the doctor. They said, you better go to the emergency room because they thought it was my appendix. They thought it was going to burst. So went in and, uh, they, they found something, but they didn't know if it was cancer. So they told me that I would need surgery to remove it. And I so clearly remember waking up from surgery and it, to my husband's face and he was staring at me and he said, you have to survive. And I can't believe how clear that still is to this day because I was really drugged up and out of it. But I woke when I was more coherent, I found out that it was stage three C ovarian cancer. So as you mentioned, it did spread to my colon as well as my appendix. So yeah, I needed 22 inches of my colon removed, my appendix removed. So there was a lot going on there. Yeah. Yeah. And what an incredible thing to wake up to, to your husband. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure. And, you know, my whole story, what happened was when I was finished with treatment, I had three rounds, as you mentioned, and I had to stay in the hospital for each round for five days. 
And yeah, it was pretty brutal chemotherapy. And the doctors said to me, you know, you're going to be fine. This was the last time in the hospital. And I, I just began to ask all kinds of questions, you know, how can I avoid recurrence moving forward? I, I'm thinking to myself, I never want to go through this again, if I can help it. And, you know, I asked about nutrition and as you all know, they had no answers for me. I mean, they don't know much about nutrition and all I remember him saying is go back to living your normal life and I will see you in three months. And I knew right then, oh, that doesn't sound good to me. I need to take control of my own health. I can't wait for a doctor's appointment to, to tell me, okay, I'm okay. The scan told me I'm okay. So that's kind of how my journey began. Wow. Good for you for being so empowered. Was that something that you'd done before at other doctor's appointments? Like I got to take some control here and be in charge or was that new? Such a good question. You know, I think it was new. I mean, I, like I said, I was only 29 and I didn't have that much experience with doctors and all that. And I just intuitively knew I need to take a good hard look at my life and make some changes. Yeah. I was completely stressed out at the time. I was trying to manage career, motherhood, marriage, and I wasn't doing a very good job at it. Hmm. Well, we know that Radical remission had not been, the research had not even been done yet at that point in your life. Um, How did you come across radical remission and um, how did that, you know, how did you interpret it at the time when you received the information? Yeah. So I heard Dr. Kelly Turner speak on a cancer summit and I, I still have all my notebooks of all the cancer summits I'm taking copious notes and she's listing her nine factors. And I am thinking, oh my gosh, I could resonate with this so much. This makes so much sense to me. I feel like I have done a lot of these things and I'm still doing a lot of these things uh, because it was a journey. I mean, I didn't just wake up one day, okay, I'm going to change this, this, and this, (laughs) right? It's, It's not that easy. So yeah, but I, once I heard her speak, I bought the book and I recommend it to so many people. It's just, it's so powerful. That's great. What were some of the first things that you did? Well, honestly, the first thing was to look at my diet because I felt like that was something I can control. I could control what I'm putting on my fork. Right. right? So so yeah, I and and it's interesting because all my friends thought, oh, you you live such a healthy lifestyle, you exercise, you eat so well, you eat better than we do. How did you get cancer? But as we all know, it's not that simple. You you're not healthy if you get cancer. So I I really began to look at eating more whole foods and And again, it was a process. I didn't do this all right away, but I remember reading a book 
from Dr. Andrew Weil about inflammation and an anti-inflammatory diet. And I think it was called like eight weeks to optimal health or something like that. And I just like read it. I'm implementing all this stuff. You know, I, I would do anything to, to remain cancer-free. And I had a two-year-old at the time. So, you know, that was, that was huge, a huge motivator. And, and, you know, I loved my life and I, I had purpose, you know, so I would do, I was willing to do anything. Yeah. That's typically how it goes for those of us diagnosed, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So what, what are some, anything else that, that you did on your healing journey, even, you know, anything really out there or wild or, you know, at the time people were like, what are you crazy? Well, it's so funny. You know, I didn't know what I know now. So it took me a while to, you know, get into some of these other modalities, but I, I started doing yoga, you know, that kind of stuff. Like that was new to me, you know, um, just anything I could do to settle my nervous system, because my intuition was telling me that was a huge reason why I had cancer in the first place. Mm. Yeah. I was just completely out of balance, not living in harmony, running around, trying to do all my work and trying to be home for my son. And and really, I, I asked my husband, I said to him, listen, I can't go on like this. I, I can't keep working like I'm working. It, something has to give. And so with his support, I did quit my job and stayed home with my son. And it was incredible because we were able to adopt a second son less than a year later after mm. I was finished at treatment. So that's oh, pretty that's so beautiful. Oh, that's so awesome. I'm so happy to hear that. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. And they're only three years apart. So that's amazing. Yeah. I love that so much. I love, and one of the things that really resonates, um, what you said is that you didn't do them all at once, right? It wasn't like you woke up one day and just like light switch turned on all these lifestyle changes. Um, and that's something, you know, Carla and I will often say to people in, in, group and whatnot is that it's not expected that you're going to implement all these changes at one time. It's, you know, little baby steps where, you know, you got to just figure out what feels like the right next step. And I think that sounds like your intuition was very strong and what a gift that your, your, you know, your husband and your family was, were able to support the idea of you staying home. So you could be a mom and reduce the work stress. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, I just began to go to lectures on nutrition and read any self help book I could get my hands on. I just was feeding myself with with information and, you know, making sure I lived with integrity to my true authentic self. I think that was a big thing for me. Because I was sort of a people pleaser. And I wasn't always doing what I wanted to do. And I think that's so big with cancer survivors that, you know, often we're caretakers and we're worrying about everyone else and, and not so much ourselves. So it was a very introspective time. 
Yeah. What steps did you take? Because I think that's a question a lot of people have on how can I, you know, start setting boundaries or even look inside enough to figure out what I do want. How do you, how did you tap into that authentic self? Well, I had to get in quiet. I mean, I think that's so important because we are so busy running around, not even listening to what what our intuition is telling us. So the most important thing is to get in quiet. I mean, that's what helped me. Um, getting out in nature. I mean, that helps so much, just the calmness of, of getting out in nature and the knowing, you know, it might not be this voice that speaks to you. That's And I've interviewed many people and they do hear a voice. I, I never heard a voice, but I just knew that my life was completely out of balance and I needed to make changes. So yeah, definitely getting out and quiet and calming the nervous system as much as possible. And then when you, sometimes, you know, when, when something feels good, you feel it in your body, you know, it's that, that expansive feeling. And if something doesn't feel good to you, if, if someone asks something of you and you really don't want to do it, you might have that constriction. So that's really a good way to tell also. Yeah. yeah and good, good for you. Oh, sorry, Carla. Good for you for um, tapping into that intuition and having it compatibly match, you know, you allowed your brain to match your body and, you know, let that unite. So you can kind of wander through and make these decisions, you know, wholeheartedly. Yes. Yes. And I sometimes think when you're in a situation like that, when you have a young family and and you're just looking at what can you do to be as healthy as you can and i didn't i didn't want to be in that survival mode that you know um i just want to do anything to survive i i wanted to be healthy and thrive and feel great and have energy so that was That's a big motivation for me that's a beautiful distinction too, because so many people are striving to find the cure, find the cure. I got to, I got to figure out what's next, what's next, you know, the research, the reading, the pouring over the summits. I mean, yes, it's good to have information and to do some of that, but what's really important is to get quiet and to listen to what your intuition or your soul or your body want, you know, needs. Right. Um, and I, I can't agree with you more about how, we all have this um, this quest for for more, and this you know we forget that getting off the hamster wheel is really important and can really help us to balance ourselves and be more in tune. So true, so true. I have a sticker here that says, "Take time to make your soul happy," and I just love that because that's what we're here to do to, to be happy and find purpose. And, you know, I think that's a big thing too, when you get a diagnosis, a tough diagnosis, asking yourself, what do I want? What do I truly want in my life? And go, go for it, you know, just live your life on your terms. Yeah. And that can be hard for some people though. Like, right. We've hear we hear the stories of people that, you know, 
they had to get the divorce or they had to, you know, move across country or they had to quit their job. And, you know, not everybody feels they can do those things. Um, but I always encourage people to start small, do something that feels right and authentic for you. So oh, true. Well, what you said, I mean, that is still doing what you want. I mean, it might be hard, but being in that marriage that sucks your energy and, and makes you feel bad, that's not going to help you heal. Right. So even though it's tough, it's doing those things that, you know, it's just not aligned with your, your soul. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us, um, where does deepening your spirituality come in for you? You've talked about intuition and nature and connection. Um, did, did spirituality play a part in your healing process? I would definitely say yes. I grew up as a conservative Jewish person and we didn't, even though we went to a conservative temple, we didn't exactly practice all the, all the rituals. Um, but God was always a part of my life. I always talked to him and, you know, if he is a him, but please help me with this decision. So I always felt that connection was something bigger than me. I mean, I remember when I was little and my parents got divorced when I was young and there was, you know, a lot of unsettled feelings and, and not feeling safe sometimes, not like, and, and when I say safe, I don't mean like I was abused or it, it was more just that family unit wasn't there anymore. So I always talked to God. I actually had a diary. I would write, you know, how I was feeling and all that kind of stuff. So I always just had that in me, had that spirituality in me. And, and, you know, I always tell people it doesn't have to be religion, right? I mean, it's, it's some, just knowing that there's something bigger than you and that you're not controlling the world. You can't, you can't control everything. And I know, you know, we talk about, oh, taking control of your health or taking your power back when, when it comes to your health. Um, but it's, it's doing what you can and then letting someone else take the reins, right? I mean, we can't do it all. We can't take control of everything. Exactly. Dr. Turner made that distinction when she wrote Radical Hope. She changed the title of that factor from taking control to being empowered. Yes. And then the analogy that's really great for people is to think about being the CEO of your health. You, you sit at the head of the boardroom table and you line up your healers and practitioners and healing team uh, around that table and you listen to their expertise. But yeah, taking control we, we can only take control of certain things or small things or sometimes, right? So, right. Yeah, exactly. Just letting go a little bit, doing what you can, but then letting go. Being diagnosed with a serious health challenge can be emotional and overwhelming. At Radical Remission, we believe no one needs to face a diagnosis alone. Our certified health coaches work one-on-one -on -one or in small groups to support people living with a diagnosis to integrate the 10 healing factors of radical remission. Our team of coaches include national board certified health coaches, doctors, nurses, and other medical practitioners, as well as mental health providers. Our coaches meet each person where they are on their healing journey to offer support, accountability, and goal setting in a positive manner. 
Check out RadicalRemission.com to find your health coach and connect with them to learn more about what it might look like to work together. See the show notes for links to find a coach on RadicalRemission.com. Looking for a thoughtful, heartfelt gift for someone with cancer? The Radical Remission Project has partnered with woman-led small business Rest and Heal to create lovely care packages for you to send. They feature the Radical Remission and Radical Hope books alongside natural wellness products, all of which are non-toxic and sourced from women-owned, Black-owned, and New York State businesses. We know our community is passionate about spreading the Radical Remission healing factors, and these care packages are a great way to get knowledge into the hands of those who need it most. Visit restandheal.com forward slash shop to purchase or learn more. That's restandheal.com forward slash shop. So you talked a little bit about, um, you know, having, having a purpose. Um, what, at what point in your journey did you really attach yourself to, you know, you, you decided to leave your job and stay home with your family. Um, and obviously that becomes purpose for a long time, but have you seen your purpose or your strong reason for living kind of evolve over, over the 25 years? Absolutely. It was about, about 10 years later, actually, that I, I decided to, become a health coach and go to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Liz, I think that's where you went to. And I was soul searching. Again, I was trying to figure out what can I do? I wanted to get back into the workforce. I was feeling great. I wanted to help others. And someone told me I'd be a great life coach. And I'm thinking, "Mm, that sounds good, but I don't know. That's not really it. And I found the Institute for Integrative Nutrition online. And I thought, this is so perfect for me. And then I really, you know, I was working with anyone, weight loss and autoimmune issues and just all kinds of, oh, headaches, stress. And then I realized I want to work with someone like me who has gone through cancer and is feeling afraid of of recurrence and not sure what to do next. So that's kind of where I just honed in on, on working with cancer survivors. Yes. That's awesome. I love that so much because it, it's funny. That's I, again, as you mentioned, I also went to IIN uh, Institute of Integrative Nutrition, but again, I worked in the, you know, the health coaching, the, the standard health coaching world for four years. And then, um, and then decided after learning about radical remission, that kind of led me down the path of, um, wanting to work with cancer patients as well after losing my sister. So it was, um, it felt like, you know, when you like fit like a glove, you know, like you find your path and everything kind of aligns and you, you know, you're in the right place. So I, I really do, um, completely understand where you're coming from, from that perspective of, you know, who do you want to work with? And you, when you can work with someone who's had a similar experience to you, it just feels so much more authentic and, um, and that you're really, you know, in the right place, helping the right people. 
Exactly. Exactly. You just feel aligned. Yeah. So Haley, you mentioned fear of recurrence and I really want to take, take a minute to go there. How do you handle that fear of recurrence? Such a good question. It's interesting because when I was first finished with treatments, I was living in that fear state. I just felt like, oh my gosh, all of a sudden I don't have support from the doctors, nurses, and I'm kind of on my own on this. There weren't many people I could talk to that were my age that had the same kind of cancer. And I just began to, to figure out what works for me. How can I take those small steps and live with harmony and, and, and loving myself, to be honest with you, self-compassion. Um, you know, like we talked about, people are so worried about what are they going to do next? And there's so much information out there. But if we can just love our bodies for what they are, not feel like, oh my God, my body failed me, because I know I had those feelings in the beginning. But when I could let go of that and, and really think about what cancer was telling me, what did I need to change, that I wasn't living in that fair state anymore. And as time goes on, honestly, I, I, I'm not afraid anymore. I'm really not. Yeah, that's, that's, it's a tough one for a lot of people to get over. And from my own experience, you know, I went 10 years. And by the time I got to, I don't know, eight, nine, you know, 10 years, I was like, I'm safe. This is great. Hit my 10 year cancer woohoo! But I got a recurrence diagnosis at 11 years. So, you know, that throws you back to the start again, and you have to figure out how to deal with fear. And although for me, I hadn't found all of these healing factors and hadn't changed my lifestyle and hadn't made all these wonderful changes that could really help support my health and healing. So I am again at the point with seven years of stable metastatic disease where I feel pretty safe. It's always back there kind of wiggling around in the back of my mind, but for the most part, I'm not living in fear. I'm living in joy and hopefulness and, you know, big plans for the future and all that good stuff. That's fantastic. Yeah. And I, I've interviewed people that have had a recurrence and it's true. I mean, it, of course it brings you back to, oh my gosh, how did this happen? And, and you're kind of starting all over a little bit, but then you're learning all these new stuff. Just like you said, you're, you're learning all these factors and, and taking your power back mm -hmm. when it comes to exactly. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Thanks. So for the healing lifestyle changes that you made, some of them, you know, line right up with radical remission and, and you've mentioned several of them, but are these things you've made permanent lifestyle changes? Like these are things that you'll do forever. Or is there anything that you've changed up over time? Yeah. Well, I definitely changed my diet over time because I really didn't know a lot in the beginning. And you know, we could talk about that if you want to ask me about that after, but I learned, you know, just more about detoxification and it, there's just so much. I'm actually now in a class with Dr. Nisha Winters 
the met metabolic approach to cancer and I'm training to be a metabolic train advocate. Oh, fantastic. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I'm just learning so, so much and, you know, surrounded by so many like-minded people, just like you, I mean, you're, you're, you have your mission and you're all aligned, which is just so empowering. And yeah, so I'm learning more and more every day. And I'm one of those people who give me a challenge and I'll, I'll go for it. I'll, you know, when it comes to health, especially it's okay, this is good for me. I'm going to try it, you know, but, but I'm very big on listening to my body, testing, making sure, okay, this is working. So it's not just grabbing at little, anything that any shiny object that I, that I hear about. Got it. Yeah. That's great. Were there so, any, uh, Oh, sorry, go ahead, Liz. That's okay. Um, so going back to your diet, um, to your point about your diet, I would love to hear, you know, what you landed on, you know, shortly after, you know, you started playing around with your diet, what you landed on and then what does it look like today? Yeah. So really in the beginning, I was just trying to eat as many leafy green vegetables as I could and cruciferous vegetables, you know, because what the research tells me and, you know, and, and everyone can still agree on all that, right? That cruciferous vegetables have compounds that rid the body of carcinogens and inhibit the growth of cancer cells. And, you know, eating a, a phytonutrient diet, lots of colors, and, you know, they these colors protect our cells from free radical damage. So, you know, when you think about feeding yourself think about all these powerful things, these chemicals, these plant chemicals are doing. And so a lot of it was just increasing my fruit and vegetable intake and really kind of thinking about, wow, this is doing amazing things for my body. And I still think about that when I eat now. So now, and I was very highly plant-based for a long time. Now that I am learning more about the metabolic approach, I have added, and I'm not saying I was completely vegan or anything like that, but I did have, you know, I would have chicken and turkey and all that stuff, but very highly plant-based besides that. And now I'm adding a little bit of pasture-raised grass-fed meat, not a lot. I still, it's not, you know, I think because for so long I didn't have it. So it's, it's different to, to start doing that, but I, my blood work has been great and, and I feel really good. And, and, you know, with this approach, it's not really about increasing your protein so much. You know, sometimes people think with the ketogenic diet, it's all like meat, meat, meat and vegetables. It's really very highly plant-based and, and really good, good fats, you know? So all those things like olive oil, even like putting a half a cup of olive oil on salad. I mean, it sounds like, oh my God, that's so much. And we're so worried about fat all the time. You know, we've been conditioned to, to worry about those fats, but they're really, really healthy. They're heart healthy and help, you know, with inflammation and all that. So yeah, just, so that's just an example, but eating lots of good, healthy fats, uh, salmon, wild salmon, and I actually even put MCT oil now in my, in my matcha tea. So, but, and it keeps you satiated. So it's, it's great. Thank you so much for 
clarifying all of those different I, I love that you the spectrum that you've followed over time and taking the time to clarify that because I know there's people that dabble in both worlds right and always trying to figure it out and I I am a believer like you that you just have to evolve with it and over time let your body dictate where you should head next and um, let your blood work support that <laughs> Absolutely. You're right. Because a lot of times, again, it's, it's, you know, that doctor tells you, you have to just eat raw, you know, and, and then it's that it's that fear base still, even though it's more alternative, there's still fear in that whole world too. Yes. So it's really about listening to yourself and you know, you have everything inside you to heal. And, and I know I'm preaching to the choir, right? Yeah. <laughs> trying to, it's just trying to figure that out. And it, and it does take time. Yeah, it does. And and people do get really stressed out over their diet. Like they really worry about like, oh my God, I just ate something I shouldn't have eaten. And this, you know, and it's like, no, no, no. It's one tenth of the healing factors, right? So it's only one tenth of the importance. Yes, you want to eat better, you want to eat healthier, you want to learn more. Because like you, I ate healthy. People were like, How'd you get cancer? Right. Well, I ate salads right? I ate vegetables. That didn't mean I ate healthy because some of the other things I ate, you know, fried foods or uh, more meat than I certainly do now, you know? So it's, it is when people, people's idea of health is a little bit different when they don't have a diagnosis. And then you look at it a little bit deeper and harder when you do get a diagnosis and you're like, oh, that really wasn't that healthy of a diet. But so let's not stress out about our diet. Let's do the best we can. Let's start adding more veggies and crowding out some of the junk that we eat. And, um, and, and also focus on the emotional and the spiritual things too, because our health isn't just about our body. It's about our mind and our spirit. And um, so there's, there's lots of things that we really need to look at. And so, so you know, yeah. 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 Was there anything that, that you did from a mental, emotional, spiritual perspective that you feel really helped you and that was maybe new to your life or just deepened it in some way? Well, I remember when I was first diagnosed, my best friend gave me a journal and she said to write five things you're grateful for every day. <laughs> she saw it on Oprah and I'm like, okay, I love Oprah. I'm going to try that. And it was so helpful. And I know it sounds, you know, oh, what is that going to do? And, and, and people do talk about it. But the thing that I would do is I had a diary. I wrote if something was bothering me that day, if I'm scared or uh, if I feel lonely or whatever it is. And would really just get it out. And then at the end of that, I would say what I was grateful for in the day. And that helped me so, so much because I wasn't just like, Oh, positive thinking, just, you know, that's all. And positive thinking is wonderful, but it's so important to release those emotions because they stay stuck in our bodies. And, you know, just like you said, Carla, you can have a perfect diet, but if everything else is out of balance, it's, it's not doing much good. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't Pollyanna your way out of it, right? You can't just, I mean, I know I'm a born optimist and I can be really positive about things, but sometimes I got to dig deep and, and, and sometimes I got to let go of things. And, um, I agree with you. The, the gratitude practice 
I don't think it can be overstated. Like it's so important and it is so simple. But when you get yourself in that routine of thinking about the things that you're grateful for, the positive things that happen in your life, you you get more of those things because that's what you're thinking about. And as human beings, it's so easy for us to go to the negative. We, we, we do focus on the negative. We remember the bad things, right? So taking the time to remember the good things can be really beneficial. So that's, that's great. I love that. Yes, absolutely. And another thing I was thinking about when you said that is, it's just being with those people that lift you up and, and make you feel good. Cause I know, you know, I mean, I always had wonderful friends and I had a great support system, but as I went through my healing journey, I really had to look at, at those people that kind of sucked my energy and I didn't feel great around. And, you know, although it's not easy, it, it kind of separating yourself from them a little bit is very helpful. Um, I know a lot of times it's family members and, you know, that could be, that could be really challenging. And, um, I, I've had that and I kind of just, call, you know, when I can, and if I'm in the car, that's a perfect time. And, oh, I have to go that kind of thing. So it, it's so important because your immune system is, is not reacting well when you're, you're feeling sucked dry. And when you're in a stressed out parasympathetic, I mean, I'm sorry, sympathetic state. Fight yeah. or flight, right? So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we, we have talked a lot about, um, how with, you know, with clients about how sometimes your friends may not look the same as they did before the diagnosis, you know, things change when you've gone through something really, really big and kind of life altering and it can change what kind of people you might want to spend time with or how you want to spend your time or what you think is funny, <laughs> you know, different little things like that. It all, it all adds up and it's, it's nobody's fault. It's just circumstance, but it is, um, it's important to try not to like hold on too tight to the past and try to make, you know, fit the circle through the square hole, right? Like force something to be what it no longer may be. And, yes. you know, and allow yourself to grieve the loss of maybe a, a friendship or, or a relationship that had meaning to you in the past and, and find something new. Yes. I love that. It's true. I mean, there is a grief process, no doubt. And mm -hmm. you made me think, you know, even losing a body part and, you know, you grieve that and, and you need to deal with that because I remember with me, it was. I had a total hysterectomy and I couldn't bear children anymore. And, and that was very hard pill to swallow and, you know, family and friends, and they were trying to be supportive, but they were saying, Oh, at least you have one and, you know, be grateful and thankful. And yeah, that's all great. And you are grateful and thankful, but you still know that you can't bear any more children and you you, you lost that. So it's a piece of your femininity. So that's hard as well. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Losing a breast. Right. I mean, you know, okay. It's not that functional anymore after my kids are grown, but on the other hand, still a part of me and I've lost it and I need to grieve it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. 
Well, Haley, this has been so wonderful and informative, and I just love this conversation. We could probably go on and on and on, but we need to wrap it up. So we would love to hear what is in a piece of advice that you would offer someone on a healing journey. It's always so hard to say one thing, right? But what I would say is to show yourself love and compassion. I think that is such a big thing. Show yourself grace. Don't think you have to do everything at once. I know we said that so much, but it's, I see people all the time and they are looking at everything. They want that quick fix and, and there's not a quick fix. It's just about looking inside yourself and, and doing what is right for you. You have the ability to heal. And that's, that's, my advice. It's beautiful. Perfect. Thank you. So where can people connect with you, Haley? You can just go to my website at revivewellness.com. And I have a download, a free download that, that is seven top tips to keep cancer away and feel confident in your body again. So you can just get it on my website. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much for that gift for everyone. And thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing your story with us today. It was such a pleasure. Thank you for all you're doing. And thank you for listening to the Radical Remission Project, Stories That Heal podcast. Once again, I'm Kelly A. Turner, PhD, cancer researcher and founder of the Radical Remission Project. If you found today's episode inspiring, we encourage you to share it with anyone you think would benefit. If you'd like more information about the Radical Remission Project or would like some support bringing the 10 Radical Remission Healing Factors into your own life, visit us at RadicalRemission.com to find a certified Radical Remission Health Coach or to learn about an upcoming Radical Remission Workshop. And if you'd like to connect with Liz or Carla directly for health coaching, you can visit RadicalRemission.com forward slash about us. Most importantly, be sure to like, share, and please, please, please review this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Your reviews are what allow us to keep finding sponsors, and sponsors are what allow us to keep bringing you these podcasts. So thank you in advance for your reviews. One last thing, would you like to be on our podcast? If you're a radical remission survivor who's been in remission for at least three years, meaning that you either have stable or dormant disease, or perhaps even no evidence of disease. You can contact us at radicalremission.com forward slash podcast. The Stories That Heal podcast is a production of the Radical Remission Project and Cat Productions, hosted by Liz Curran and Carla Mansgeroux, produced by Ryan Giroux, music by Batchbug. Follow The Stories That Heal wherever you get your podcasts.